ask you to stand, please, with me. Everyone that's here, thank you for being here. Just pray for them. We honor you today and thank you, Lord, for those that are here for your goodness and your presence. We praise your name for all that you have done and all that you are doing. The fact that you care for us. When you, when it appears at times that things are falling apart, things are not working out, you have a plan. And we pray today that you will help us to understand your plan is beyond our ability to always comprehend. You are a great and marvelous king. Thank you right now for loving us, being our savior, for those who have already said yes to you. We lift up those who are still struggling to answer the call of Christ. And today we pray that the word will simply be yes in the hearts and lives of people. We give your name all the glory. And as we travel to Petaluma today, we pray for traveling mercy. We give your name all the glory in Jesus' name. Bless the word and the speaker in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today we have to go to Village Baptist. Um, The service starts at 3 and um, in Petaluma. So because for those who are not able to go, we rarely take a second offering. But I'm going to ask if you, for those who can, if you want to, uh, if you can give something so we can represent, we'll put everything together to represent. But if you can go, um, Sister Florence is going to be tying people on the top of her car. We got some bungee cords and some rope. So if you want to go, please, we... <laughs> But if you would like to go, there's people that will be hopefully going up there to give you a ride. Because I'm already living up that way. I won't be heading back down this way. But it's at 3 p.m. I'm going to read, as we've been doing a study in Ecclesiastes, I'm going to pick up verse 19 in chapter 7. Chapter 7 of Ecclesiastes, verse 19. I'm going to read to the end of chapter through verse 29. Today we don't have it on the board, but if you would listen, I'll be reading from the ESV. This is how it reads. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 19. Jordan, it is good to see you here. I don't see your mom, but it is good to see Jordan here from from years ago, Friday Night Live, and she's known for a long time. I want to thank you for your presence, Jordan. This is how it reads. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turned my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness. That is madness. And I find something more bitter than death. And I want you to listen carefully because it may not be as you think. The woman whose heart is snares and nets and whose hands are fetters, he who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. 
Behold, this is what I found, says the preacher, while adding one thing to another to find the scheme of things which my soul has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. See, this alone I found, that God made men upright, but they have sought out many schemes. I am continuing the title, part two, Avoiding Self-Righteousness and Wickedness. A couple of weeks ago, we, in point number one, we said, consider the work of God first. And we spent some time dealing with that word, consider. Our second point was keeping things in the right perspective. And I want to continue with that point, keeping things in the right perspective, as we continue on. The preacher Solomon Koheleth is often what he is referred to, the preacher, the teacher, as we have been noting, has been following this discourse and trying to find answers that he has raised about the meaning of life. I think there are times when all of us have midlife crises. Some of you now are in the middle of a midlife crisis, but you don't know it. Some of you have come through a midlife crisis, and some of you are headed into a midlife crisis. Solomon had a crisis when it came to trying to understand the meaning of life. He asked some hard questions. He sought out the answers. And and as I told you before, if you're not careful, you would think that Solomon was a very depressed man when he began to look over his life and look at the meaning of things. Some of you may have been surprised to hear of two famous people this past week who took their lives in suicide, had everything going for them, money and fame, and look and behold, they did not consider book of Ecclesiastes. All is meaningless. And and, and yet Solomon, as we've been saying, has been drawing the point that life is meaningless without God. Again, I want to just make that very, very clear that without God, you can accumulate all you want, but without God, it's meaningless. It's God that gives you the ability, as as I've told you, To enjoy the good things of life. Solomon says in 19, wisdom gives strength to the wise man. More than ten rulers who are in a city. Wisdom gives power. Wisdom has the ability to guide and guard you. You see, it it requires a person who is wise to be willing to listen to a wiser person. Oftentimes, people that are growing up teenagers, you can't always tell them things. They they feel they know it all. They say, I don't want to hear that. You can't tell me. That's the old way. We are in a new generation. Do you not know that every generation says the same thing? We are living in a new generation, and yet the Bible says it has already been. 
Wisdom is a constant source of strength to those who possess wisdom. Never let go of wisdom. I tell you this, I've told you this before. It's a good thing to have knowledge. It's a good thing to have wisdom. There's a lot of people who have a lot of head knowledge but no wisdom. You see, wisdom tells you how to put into practice that which you have. So in other words, as I've told you, it would be better to, to, for me to be able to go through the door, to be able to walk down the street than to jump out the window. Wisdom tells me if I want to get there, yes, I can jump out the window, but that wouldn't be very wise to do. I may not be able to walk when I hit the cement down below. So I say I will listen to wisdom, take a few extra steps, and go down the stairs. You see, there are some people today who refuse to listen, and they go down this dark path because they feel that they already know it. You can't tell them anything. For those who have wisdom, he says, it's a constant source of strength. Wisdom is better than ten rulers who are ruling a city. What is Solomon saying? In the Greek culture, it's kind of where it comes from, but, but... it's believed that Solomon may have been referencing or looking at that in Judah, it was often ten rulers that would rule Judah or areas. It was often ruled by ten individuals. So when we see this matter of him referencing ten rulers, you see that the more advisors you have, it can oftentimes be better. Good planning comes from many advisors. But Solomon said, when you've got wisdom, it can be more of a source of strength and comfort than ten rulers in a city. Thank God that Solomon didn't leave us out to dry. The fact that he let us in on his thinking. He told us the good and the bad. Things to avoid and things to go after. He gave us perspective. He said it's good to be able to enjoy. But oh my God, it's good to be able to look at things that are coming and take a different course. Surely, verse 20, there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. I've got some people that tell me that they are good. They do good all the time. Therefore, they should get to go to heaven because they are a good person. They're good. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. And our righteousness in Isaiah is just like filthy rags. When we compare ourselves to God, we don't measure up. You you see, when you measure yourself by yourself, that's not a good comparison. You see, that's the wrong standard. You you see, you're not measuring yourself. You're not going to be standing in God's before the judgment of God and measuring yourself by yourself. God is the standard. And we've got to understand that when it comes to the standard of God, that is our standard by which we have to look at, do we measure up to the word of God? So people are looking at the wrong measure today. So people say, I, I, I don't say that. Solomon said, now there's nobody who, who does right all the time. You can't say you've never sinned. But it comes to a point to where we don't make excuses for sin and stay there. You see, there are some people who really are not interested in getting out of their sin. What do I mean? They make excuses for staying there and say, God knows my heart. Yes, he knows your heart. 
and he's come to change your heart. So please don't tell me that God understands your heart and he gives you an excuse to stay there. With revelation, there has to be change. You, 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 you do not get more revelation just to sit there. We, we talk about a person that has a car, has an engine, got 450 uh, horses. I don't care how heavy and how big that engine is. They want to put that car out on the stretch. But to keep it in the garage and just rev the engine is not going to do any good. It sounds good, but you're not going to go anywhere. You got a lot of horses, you want to be out there on the road. I used to ride motorcycles. My wife wouldn't let me get one after we got married. I told her before you get married, I said, I ride motorcycles. They scared me. I don't want you to have one. Oh, I'm getting a motorcycle. 31 years later, I still don't have a motorcycle. Guess who won that argument? But but I used to ride bikes. I I I, my first one was a 400, and that 400 Kawasaki. And then I got a 750 GPZ. I don't know about no GPZ. That was way back in the day. That was the sport bike of the time. And I used to ride. And, and so me and some friends would just sometimes go on night rides. We'd get, come, up on, they'd come up to the house. Hey, let's go on a ride. And we'd be all back in the roads and the hills and everything and, and just having a wonderful time. And, and, and so because those bikes were fast, I, I had a problem keeping it at 35 and 40. I wanted to open it up. And so sometimes we get on the stretch and we look at one another, kick down a couple of times, and we could be gone. We take another look around and see if any cops are coming. But, but, but the bike had power, and we wanted to use it. it was, I didn't get the bike just to kind of put around. No, I wanted that bike because it had power. You see, when you have something, you want to use it. So if, if God has blessed you and he has given you something, you need to use it. You don't make excuses to stay where you are. God has come to dwell in you, and the purpose of his coming to dwell in you is that you may be raised up to live according to his purpose. Yes, you may have sinned, but you don't stay there. So even though everyone may have sinned, he said that, but what I'm saying is that you've got to Move on. You can't stay there. You can't stay there. Go on in verse 21, he says. Do not take to heart all things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you have cursed others. We, we have what's called a negative imperative. Um, a negative. Do not curse. A, an imperative is a command. And oftentimes when we hear of an imperative, it is oftentimes stated in a positive way. Uh, obey God. When the Lord even, even gave his commandments, um, thou shalt have no other God before me. Look at the negative. We are to worship God when we think about it in spirit and in truth. Pray always without, pray always without ceasing. And, and here we have a negative imperative. The command says, do not take to heart all things that people say unless you hear your servant cursing. Now, I told you all this not long ago, and I, and I think it, it ties in. Me and a co-worker years ago, was, we're, we're, we were having a conversation in my office, and I didn't hang up the phone on the other end after I left the message. 
And we happened to be mentioning something about that person, and she heard the whole conversation. And so when she came to the office the next day, she let me know she heard the conversation. It was recorded on her phone. And, and uh, I said, oh. And good thing we didn't say anything too, 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 too bad. But there were still things I didn't want her to hear. And, and, and so it makes me, it makes you think, that be, be, be careful, be careful. There are times when you say, I, I want to know what they're saying. Now be careful because you might hear something that's about you. And, and, and so we need to understand that we have to be careful because the Bible says that we have also ourselves have said things about others. Have you ever been talking one time and the very person that you were talking about came walking around the corner and you hope they didn't hear what you just said? How long have you been standing there? How long? Verses 21 in the Hebrew and verses 22 are a unit. They go together. And so again, do not take to heart all things that people say unless you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. There is a difference between the word cursing and cussing. Cussing is not cursing. Cussing is a swear word. It is using foul language, right? Cursing is putting a hex, a a curse on, putting some type of spell on a person. You are cursing that person. So let's, let's, let's get it right. So when oftentimes they, they were cursing at me, no, they were cussing you out or cussing at you. But cursing is when I wish something bad happens to you. Now that's a curse. I wish this and that would happen to them. And you, we go on because something may have made you upset. We have to be careful what we do say in our anger, being very careful. Why are they talking about me? He says, wait a minute. You too have said things about someone else. And so we have to be very, very careful. Solomon, in his descriptions of what he has seen and what he has tested, he, he lays it out, and thank God that he does not hold back. He, he does not keep us from being, to, being able to look beyond, behind the curtains, to see what's happening behind stage. He lets us see. You know when there's a play, they close the curtains and they get the next scene set up so that when the curtains open, all you see is a new scene that they want you to see. But what he does, he pulls, he says, come and take a look behind the curtain and so you can see my process of what I went through. God sees every day what's behind the curtain of your life. I know you might be trying to hide things, but you might as well go on and be honest with God because he even knows your thoughts even before you carry out the deed. Have you ever tried to hide something from God? Have you ever tried to, to, to tell God something when you know wasn't the, wasn't the truth? Trying to make it sound better? Well, you know, God, I'm, I've been trying to do my best here. And God says, no, no, I, I, I know what you've been doing. I've I've seen the thoughts even before you got there. And and the Lord says, no, just going to be honest. So we have to at times just be honest and just say, God, I'm sorry. I blew it. Help me in this area. The person that gets help is when they can come to God and say, Lord, I blew it. Help me. 
Help me not to talk about people like I used to talk about them. I've been embarrassed a few times when I've said something. Said something and lo and behold, I would never find myself doing the same thing. The Lord, forgive me. Just told that person. So we got to be very careful. Be very, very careful. Let's go on because my time is quickly moving on. All this I have tested. Now look at this. By wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? Although Solomon sought wisdom and had wisdom, there were questions that he came to discover that just could not be answered. He didn't have all of the answers to them. He he didn't have the principles behind the matter. Some of the things that he raised, there wasn't the ability to understand everything that was going on. He says that it was very hard to find the answers to the questions that he had. They were, in other words, he said they were deep. It was, he was saying, the deepest deep. Oftentimes they use words in expressions, and when they say something, they'll use that word to further along, to further state what they're talking about. And so often in the Bible, uh, when they want you to get a point, they will repeat the phrase. They will say it twice. It's a parallel statement. Something they said, and then they'll come around and say it in a different way. And sometimes they'll change the order and how it is said. So they may say it one way, then they may reverse it. When a parallel statement is mentioned and it is reversed, it is called a chiasm, chiastic statement. It is a statement that is made in one way and then the order is reversed. They want you to get the point. Now I told you when the Lord calls your name twice, you need to pay attention. You don't want, I tell you, you didn't want your parents calling you twice and you definitely didn't want them calling you by your full name. Marcus Henry Small, come here. I knew just that name and I was in trouble. Please don't call my full name. That's just a scary thought. When God has to call you a couple of times, and then you don't hear the voice of God, watch out. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord won't always strive with man. There, because, there can come a time to where the Lord has been speaking, and then you don't hear him anymore. The matter of finding wisdom, Solomon was wise. Now, you, I want you to get this picture. Solomon is called, is said to be the wisest man that ever walked the face of the earth. And, and you need to get this. In his wisdom, he raised some very tough questions. And although he was the wisest man, The answers that he sought, some of them eluded him. The meaning of some of these things escaped him. He didn't have enough understanding. Even Solomon. Now, if Solomon didn't have all the understanding and with some of these things that were just so deep, 
And the Bible says that he searched it. In other words, when he says, I searched, it meant that he looked at it in an intense way. He looked at it intensely. He investigated something. Has there been sometimes something that you really wanted to know? You went and investigated that matter. That's what it means. It means to really investigate, to go after and to look into. And that's what he's talking about. I look deep into these things and the situations that it was just too deep to understand all of the things behind the scene. In other words, it was beyond me. It was beyond my ability to comprehend. Do you not know you cannot fully comprehend God? I understand what God is doing. Oh, my goodness, you don't. You oftentimes don't understand what God is doing. God is deep. You think he's going one way, he's going another way. You think you understand this, and all of a sudden there's a curve that comes into play. You think you're going this way, and all of a sudden you find yourself way over here. Lord, why? There are things that God is orchestrating, and I'm getting to the place Well, I'm beginning to say, oh, Lord, bless your name. Just do it according to your will. Today, I would have been so frustrated when I couldn't find some keys to my office and still have no idea where they are. And all the things that are happening, I'm looking for the keys. Mel is looking. Got in my car. And an interesting thing is that as I'm driving down the street, Holy Spirit, look for them keys. I'm looking and rarely have to look for the keys. I have to open the office and let a person use the office today. and, And I can't find the keys. I turned around and went back home. Looked and looked and looked. Couldn't find him. Called a person and was able to find a person that works at the complex and had her open my conference room door because I gave them a key because they use it twice a week. And called the other person. And just how the Lord just orchestrated all of that. Why I have not found my keys, I don't know yet. Am I panicking? Not yet. Not yet. I know God has a plan. And, and, I, and I'm right now, and I'm trusting the Lord, you got a plan. You let me know. I, you, you, you pointed out, have me even search. Look for the keys. I'm looking, I'm looking. I don't do that on my way to church oftentimes. I'm thinking all the little things are happening. And so my thing is this. Lord, you orchestrated and arranged today for that to be taken care of. You already know where the keys are. Meet the needs. So I'm here to tell you that I still don't have them. But I I look hopefully soon to have a testimony. (laughs) It it may be, my praise report may be, the managers made some more and gave them to me. I have no idea what it's going to be. But I need those keys. I had a meeting tomorrow, and I need them. But I don't know what the Lord is doing. God knows. And here's my thing I said today. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. To those who are called according to his purpose. You need to understand that God knows everything about you and orchestrates everything in your very life. Even when it comes to you losing keys and people are looking to be there and you've got a range. And God orchestrated that. I don't know what he's going to do, but I know this. That because I belong to him, I'm going to trust him. The Lord's wisdom is too deep for me. I don't know what he was keeping me from this. I don't know what he's doing, but he's got a plan. He knows it. He doesn't always show you what he's doing. But will you follow and will you obey him? Give me three minutes and I'll be done for today. We'll have to probably, maybe come back. Verse 24. This is what it says. No, verse 20. 
5. I turn my heart to know and to search out and to seek wisdom and the scheme of things and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness. What I'm going to do today, I'm going to conclude with that verse. In verse 25 is a turning point. It, it, it looks into evil as he's going to be looking forward, evil and folly. We're not going to go, be able to go into that part today, but I want to plan to pick that up in two weeks. Because next week is Father's Day. I'm going to have a message for the fathers on that day. I, I, I want you to note, I turned my heart to know. This is a transition that happens now with Solomon. You will oftentimes find in his writing that there's transitions that he makes. And his transitions at times comes toward the end of the verse, but he also at times will raise a question at the end of the verse and then answer it later on in the next chapter. Solomon continues to ask and to mention things. Now remember, the Lord allowed this to be put here. The Bible is written for God's people, and it's written in such a way that God wanted us to know his will, wanted to know who he is. It, it tells us who God is and what he's like. And there's some very difficult things to, un, in the Bible that we just don't always understand. But we have a transition that happens with Solomon. And we're going to pick up with that in two weeks. But as I bring this part to a conclusion today, as our mind works, it sometimes turns to consider things. When you are in deep thought, there can sometimes be thoughts running through your mind and somebody can be talking to you and you not even hear them. They can be saying things and you don't hear them. Why? Because there are times when your mind is preoccupied. You're in deep thought. Oftentimes it can happen when something's troubling you. Something's on your mind. Somebody can say, did you hear me? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, what did you say? Because of preoccupation. But here Solomon does. He makes a turn to consider. He didn't only consider the good, but he also experienced and tested folly and foolishness. I'm going to say this in conclusion. Whenever you ask God, and this may be just old for some and new for, for some others, but whenever you ask God to do a work in your life, you want God to do something. Please understand that it requires a period of testing. It requires you to go through something. It requires you to be tested. It requires for God to do a work in your life. Do you not know that when God tests you, it means that he's preparing you for something that you may not yet be ready for? Or to test you in the area to where you may think you are ready for and to show you that really you're not. But testing is not to destroy necessarily, but it's to help build you up. And it is to help you to understand that your trust should never be in yourself. Testing comes to help us make sure we understand that it is 
God in whom we take our refuge. It is God where we place our confidence. It is God that we, that we get our source of strength. He is our source of strength. And when you tell God, I've got this, I'm okay, you are setting yourself up. The Lord never wants you to hear, never wants to hear you say, I got this, Lord. I don't need you. I can do this myself. It is a matter of you saying, Lord, I need your help to accomplish this. And we oftentimes say it when we think the task is easy. The problem is that we often don't realize that there are things beyond the test that we may not see, but God does. So keep in mind that you are never meant to navigate this world and this life by yourself. Please stand to your feet. Two weeks as we look at folly and foolishness, we look at this. We want to dive kind of into this area and may go right into chapter 8. But, but as we conclude today, I want you to consider and I want you to ponder in your very heart, in your very life. Am I in the place and standing in the place where God can use me? If, am I taking to heart all that Solomon has been saying, the testing? Am I finding my delight in him, or am I trusting in my own ability? Today, Lord, we are indeed grateful to you that you love us so much that you didn't leave us in a place where there was no hope, but you rescued us. You gave us yourself. We don't seek the gifts. We seek the giver. We honor you today that you are the great and the mighty God, the one who loves us immensely beyond all measure, beyond our ability to comprehend or understand. Lord, your love is deep, is beyond our ability to grasp. And we thank you today that you have given us yourself. May we, Lord, love you so much that we are saying, I'm going to obey God to the best of my ability with the help of the Holy Spirit. And when wrong, I'm going to allow God to do the change in me that requires that needs to, that requires change. And I will allow God to do it. Help us to not resist you. Help us to not put up roadblocks in our lives, but to allow you to have full access. We honor you today and we bless you. We give you all the glory. Jesus' name.